If you are new to Grace Point Church, and we have a lot of new people watching or actually coming and attending, uh, we, we teach from the Bible every, every time we, we come to church. That this is where our source is. This is where our power is, our strength is. It's not in the communicator. It's in the Word of God. And, and just the way I'm wired, we do diff, different things. And uh, we do book studies and we do topical studies. Uh, and right now we're in this book of Revelation uh, but in the new, new year, early in the new year, we'll have a, a, a topical study with this title, Stupid Should Hurt. That's going to be the series, Stupid Should Hurt. And so we do a lot of a variety of, of teaching, and, and, and we're in this book study, but it all comes from this is the source uh, of the power that changes lives, not the, the, you know, the quality of the communicator. I mean, we need to have a good communicator, but... It's all from God's word. So if you're joining us, we're in this book of Revelation. That is, the word apocalypse is the Greek word for revelation. And apocalypse means it's the unveiling of what has been hidden. This, this whole future, the end of times, what's going to happen? It's all been hidden and hinted at all through the first 65 books of the Bible. And then the last chapter of God's story, redemptive story, um, the, the tarp has been taken off, and it has been revealed of what's going to happen. And where we're at now is this revelation is God's patience has come to an end. God's patience for mankind and the wickedness and the evil and the rebellion, God's patience is over, is over. So there's a big shift in, in kind of how we're reading in the New Testament and, and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the salvation and all through Jesus Christ, which is all true. There's a whole different tone and tenor now in Revelation because God's patience is done, over with. Now let me give you a, an overview uh, of coming attractions all right, an overview. Now, I'm going to talk fast. Make sure you listen fast, too. I got a lot to cover today. But here's an overview. Uh, here's the continuum of time, eternity, uh, you know, and eternity past, eternity future. And, and from the cross, from Jesus when he died on the cross and then rose again, uh, the church period started. The church age started. We talked about that and the different seasons and periods of time. And at the end of the church period, the time of the church, what is called the rapture, that's a Latin word, as Jesus Christ comes to gather his believers in the air. The purpose of that, we talked about that when we went through 1 Thessalonians, is to, to really not take his church, the picture given in the New Testament, his bride, through the bloody seven years of tri tribulation. God's not, the time of God's wrath, God's not going to drag his bride through that. And at the end of the seven-year tribulation, that's when the second coming of Christ, not in the air, but actually on the earth, and that is the end, talked a little bit about this last week, the end of what is called the age of the Gentiles. That is over. Jesus uh, prophesied this in Luke 21, saying the end of the Gentiles, when it's fulfilled, then the end is there. And then Jesus sets up his, his kingdom. His kingdom, all right, the, the age, forever age of God's kingdom will begin. Now, let me just zoom in just a little bit uh, where we're at, we're here at today. I believe we're right here. I personally believe we're right at the end or the coming of the end of the church age. I believe that the 
coming of Christ in the air to rapture and snatch out, that's what it means, snatch out his church, is imminent, meaning it can happen in any moment. The second coming of Christ is not imminent, meaning there's still some things that must take place. Primarily, there needs to be a temple in Jerusalem again. There's not a temple. There's a, a mosque there. So the second coming is not imminent. I believe that, that the rapture is imminent. And once that start, that once the, the church is taken away, the believers are, are taken out, the Holy Spirit who's been holding back wickedness and evil as much as possible, I mean, once, as much as he, he, he allows, then he is taken out as well. And the dam is broken of crazy wickedness. And this seven-year period is really in two, two, two periods. The first three and a half years is called the tribulation. Then something major happens. Something incredibly significant happens halfway through the seven-year tribulation. And then the word of God calls the last half the great tribulation. Now Jesus, when he was asked, as he gave out some hints, you know, with his disciples, and, and talking about the end of the age, and they're like, well, when's, when's this going to happen? I mean, how are we going to know? Give us some clues. They're, they're just like us, right? What, what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, Jesus gives some kind of hints, some clues. So when he's saying that, that there are going to be room, wars and rumors of wars, Nation will rise against nation, right? There will be famines. There will be earthquakes. But Jesus said, but those things are going to happen. Don't be alarmed. But the end is not there. The, those are just birth pains. Birth pains. For all the ladies in the audience in the room and online that you have given birth, you're like, oh, I know what those birth pains are, right? And that's what we've been experiencing here. I think as the closer we get to uh, the, the rapture, the birth pains are increasing. Now, World War I was titled the war to end what? All wars. About 80 some percent of all the countries on earth were involved in some capacity with World War I. And it wasn't the war to end all wars. Just a hiccup of time later, World War II took place 96% of the nations around the world were engaged in World War II. And the deaths that took place, I mean, it's just astounding. Uh, when, when, you know, when, when we see Americans, soldiers, men and women die, that, that is a significant thing, an incredible loss. You know, it's like, wow, 2,000 people died here or 3,000 people died here. And that's like, whoa, we're talking, you know, Tens of thousands of, of soldiers died, sometimes in a day. And just, just do a little bit of history with Normandy. But all those are just birth pains. Famines, earthquakes are just warm up. Because when the time of God's wrath comes, when the tribulation starts, all of these birth pains pale in comparison to the, the delivery of God's wrath. You're gonna look back on World War I and World War II and like, man, that was just a fight in the local park. 
I mean, it was horrible, but compared to what is coming, it's nothing. These are just birth pains. These are just birth pains. Now, you got to understand, it, the Holy Spirit, when, when the believers and the influence of believers leave and the Holy Spirit leaves, again, it's going to unleash what we're going to talk about today, the amount of wickedness and evil. Do you believe in the heart of human beings, that in the heart of human beings is good? Our world says, yeah. Man is inherently good. That's not what God says. That's not what scripture says. God says the heart of man is wicked. And it's just being masked. And the Holy Spirit's just holding off of allowing man to do what they really want to do. And that's when it will happen. That's what will happen. Now, the scene today is Christ begins unsealing the wrath of God on the earth. If you missed last week, I um, encourage you to go back online and watch it. We went right into the throne room of God, chapter 4 and chapter 5. And it was an epic event that took place. And kind of the pinnacle, uh, the, the, the crescendo is, okay, they've got this scroll, seven seals sealing the scroll. And, and inside the scroll is really what's going to happen and, and, the, and the judgment of God and the defeat of Satan and, and all sorts of things are going to take place. And, and who is worthy to open the scroll? Who is worthy? And it's in the hand of God the Father. And he had the power to do it. But the, it, it was all about the, who was worthy. It was, it was the rightful heir was the one who was worthy to open the scroll. Someone who had the... the perfect, perfect entity to open the scrolls. And it, and it was just this climatic moment of it was Jesus, the lamb who was slain, whose blood made possible for nations to have a relationship with God. It was emotional last Sunday. I had people in both service coming up with tears saying, I've never experienced that chapter like that before. And it was just powerful. But now the seals are opened and the wrath of God begins. Now, if you're new to Bible study, maybe you're not even a believer, or maybe you're a young believer, kind of a new in the faith, what we're going to unpack beginning today and moving forward, if you just look at this little moment in time, seven years, it could, you could very easily go, well, I thought God was a God of love. That's not loving. That's horrible. Why would God allow that to happen? Why would he allow that much pain and suffering to happen? If, you know what? I don't know if I can follow a God like that. That is a very narrow and incomplete view of the almighty God. You just take the camera back and you look at the scope of human history. And God has been patient with mankind. God has given mercy over and over and over, not giving man what they truly deserve. God has, over the scope of time, have been giving grace, has offered forgiveness, offered salvation through Jesus Christ. And over the course of thousands and thousands and thousands of years, God has been patient with evil and wickedness and the heart, evil heart of man. And God has taken it. 
He's been blamed for every sin and every pain. That's from Satan. He, he has been cur- cursed. <clears throat> he has been given the finger. He has, he has been laughed at. He has been saying, you, say, you don't even exist. And God has been patient and loving and kind and merciful and graceful. But then there's going to come a time when, bam, God is a judge. God is righteous. And in the time, really, if you look, and Peter just describes that, because God's outside of time, not like us, our humans, we're, we're attached to our, our, our phones that has time and our watches. We're so time you know, bound. God is beyond time. And Peter says this, to God, a thousand years. That's like a day. So in a seven-year period, when God has had enough and God has put up with wickedness and evil and murder and, uh, and abuse and, and he's just, I'm, I'm going to be patient, I'm going to be merciful, I'm going to be graceful. Seven years is this. I'm going to deal with it. So in the course of time, it's a moment. But it's a moment that God says enough. I'm going to end it and my kingdom will start forever and ever and ever without, my favorite part of this, the best part of heaven, no more sin. No more sin. So if you have a very limited view of God, it's not very loving. No, in fact, it's very loving. If a parent never disciplines their child, they're not loving them. God has had enough. So we're going to begin in the first four seals. Maybe you've heard of this, uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Kind of if you're an old, old school college fan, it's not four running backs back in the day from Notre Dame. Okay, it's just not. Turn to Revelations chapter, excuse me, chapter 6. We'll walk through this, all these seals. Revelation 6, we'll begin in verse 1. Uh, that's John. I watched as the Lamb, Jesus, opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come! And I looked. There before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow. He was given a crown. And he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. The first scroll is this, if you're taking notes. It's a dark prince on a white horse. It's a dark prince on a white horse. What he's describing here, what he's seeing, is the Antichrist arrives on the scene on planet Earth. And he appears to be a savior riding in a white horse. I personally believe that you take billions of believers out of here and remove the Holy Spirit and what he's been holding back. It is going to be so, so disastrous and chaotic and, and confusing on earth that the earth is going to, and it's still there, we see remnants of it today, they're crying out for a leader to help them. And he's describing these verses, this seal describes the Antichrist. Now it says he's carrying a bow. It didn't say arrows, just a bow. Well, a bow is a useless weapon. Okay? It's a useless weapon. The reason why he's not carrying arrows is that in and of himself, he has no power. 
But as we see, as we go move forward through this book, you'll see the Antichrist is empowered by Satan himself. That's where he gets his power from. In and of himself, he's just a human being with it's just the threat, but doesn't back it up. He can't back it up, but Satan does. And it says he's wearing a crown. In, in the Greek, they had all different kinds of crowns, kinds of crowns. And, and this crown is a crown of accomplishment and success. So this person is going to be accomplished, has success. Maybe it's uh, military success or business success or political success or all three or some of the three. There's some type of success where people, the world will see him and say, he, you know, he's, he's, he has substance. He, he has something. You know, I think he's the one who can help us. And then it says, it says he's a conqueror bent on conquest. He's going to appear to be, I'm going to help the world, but his heart's desire is I'm going to rule the world. And Daniel 9 talks about one of the things that the Antichrist does early in the tribulation is he brings about peace in the Middle East. I mean, how long in all of our lifetimes, right, there's been a search for how can we have peace in the Middle East? And it's failed and failed and failed and failed. For pretty much for the big picture is Israel is wanting peace, but the other side does not want it. If you're like, oh, no, the Palestinians. No, 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 do some history. In the 90s, Bill Clinton basically said, all that you've ever asked for, it's all yours. And the, and the prime minister of Israel, like, all that you ever asked for, it's all yours. And they turned it down. Because what they really wanted was Israel to be completely destroyed. So this Antichrist, somehow, someway, for the first time, he brings about and negotiates Middle East, Middle, Middle East peace. And I believe his influence and leadership just explodes. I mean, people are like, wow, this guy, is, he's, he's the man. He's the answer that we've been hoping for. Especially when the times of crisis and there's a leadership void, he fills it. But I want to remind you that in two times in the book of Revelation, there is a rider on a white horse. Here's the first time. The second time there's a rider on a white horse in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, it is Jesus Christ himself. And he's not carrying a bow without arrows. He's carrying a sword. He's not wearing a crown. He's wearing many crowns. You know, he, he is riding with, and on his, uh, you know, on his, I believe it's his thigh, but he's a robe, whatever, it's, 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 he has a title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he's coming back, and he's not coming alone. He has an army of saints behind him. And when he comes and, and he hits on the Mount of Olives physically for the second time, the world war you're going to have to wait for that. I'm going to wait. I'm going to teach that later. <clears throat> it is awesome. It is awesome. Now, let's go to uh, chap, uh, chapter 6, verse 3. Thank you, Sean. Um, verse 3. When the lamb opened the second sea, I heard the second living creature say, Come! Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was giving power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other, and to him was given a large sword. This scroll is the red horse 
of worldwide war and violence. Without any moral restraints, the in positive salt influence of believers, without that, without the restraining Holy Spirit of evil and wickedness, with those removed, the world is filled with war and bloodshed, assassinations, violence, and murder. We've seen nothing yet. We've seen nothing yet. And it says he's come to take peace from the earth. One of the things that the Antichrist will do over time, there's a slow ascension that he elevates himself up to the level of the world needs to worship me. How do you think the Muslim nations are going to respond to that? With war. I mean, he's, he's going to elevate himself. I'm, I'm better than Christ. I'm better than Muhammad, better than Buddha. I'm even better than Allah. There's going to be some ramifications when that happens. But this horse is just going to, any peace that's on the earth is going to be taken away. Absolutely taken away. It's going to make World War II look like a playground fistfight. Jesus in Matthew 24 said this during the seven-year period. For then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equal again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. The entire world, there's no peace, there's bloodshed, there's war. It's chaos. Revelation chapter 6, verse 5. It says, Then the Lamb opened the, the third seal, and I heard the living creature say, Come. And I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in its hand, his hand. And then I heard what sounded like the voice of the four living creatures, we talked about them last week, saying, Two pounds of wheat. For a day's wages, six pounds of barley for a day's wages, and, but, and do not damage the oil and the wine. This scroll, the third scroll, is a black horse of famine. Oh, we've tasted famine as birth pains, but there's going to be famine like this world has never seen. You take an entire globe fighting and war, war and killing each other, there will be a famine. Now, it, in 1850... The entire population of the, of the world from, from the time when man was created all the way to 1850, all of the, the, the people who have lived equaled, studies show, about a billion people. In 1976, just 126 years from 1850, in, in, in 1976, the the population on the earth was 4 billion. In 2000, the population on the earth was 6 billion. In 2021, 7.9 billion people. That's a lot of mouths to feed. And if the entire globe got a whole bunch of people gone with the rapture, but that's a lot of mouths to feed. And there's fighting and, and chaos and violence. There's going to be massive famine. Wars, violence, chaos, there will lead to food shortages. And we experienced a little taste of chaos with toilet paper in COVID, right? As uh, 
supplies go down, the price goes up. And we went crazy with lack of toilet paper. Could you imagine the hoarding of food? And in the passage here, the horse, is, the rider is carrying scales, crying out from, from this, you know, when it was written, for a day's wage is this much for, you know, for wheat, for barley, mainly, mainly for bread. You put it in today's dollars, it's a, generally speaking, it's for a loaf of bread, it's $60. For a loaf of bread, $60. What happens with hyperinflation? Panic, looting, more chaos, and hungry people get desperate and they will begin to kill to eat or to feed their family. We're talking about a global hunger game on steroids. Horse number three, verse seven. And the lamb opened the fourth seal, and I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come! I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. That's the Greek where we get the word um, uh, chlorosis. It's a green, yellowish, pale appearance of people very sick. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beast of the earth. This scroll reveals the fourth horse. It's a pale horse of death and Hades, of death and Hades. Death is what happens. Hades is where they go. they death by sword. That's because of war and fighting and violence. Death by famine, we just talked about this. Not enough food to feed. People die. Death by plague. How about a COVID-25 or 29 or 36? We'll look back at COVID-19 and it's like, that just made me sneeze. This is killing millions of people. It also says death by beast. A lot of end time scholars are confused about that or different, different perspectives. Some say it's like wild, like human beings acting like wild beasts with panic and, you know, eating human flesh, doing whatever it takes. Uh, some, some say it's actual beasts, you know, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Um, it's, it's, you know, because of all the, all the maybe rotting bodies. Dr. Jeremiah, David Jeremiah, pastor in Southern California, um, he, he believes that it's, you know, that he, he said, well, the, the most destructive creature on earth that accompanied famine and plague, rats. What allowed their fleas to carry the bubonic plague Right in Europe in the fourth century, that killed a third of the population in Europe came from rats. Some of you want to itch right now? Go ahead. And this horse will allow the killing of up to one fourth of the world's population. Wow. Now, let me just stop right here at the end of this fourth horse of the apocalypse. God hasn't really done anything yet. 
He's allowed mankind to get what they've always wanted. God, leave us alone. You want a leader that you, you reject God and Christ? Okay, here's a human leader. Oh, he's a savior. And without the Holy Spirit and the influence of believers, God just allows mankind to do what they've always wanted to do. So all the, these, these four horsemen, God's really, has, he's just a, allowed mankind to get their way. And it's human disaster at every turn. Worldwide death and destruction. Now there's a shift. There's a fifth scroll. Pick up in verse 9. He goes, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, these souls, they called out, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had. The fifth scroll is not a judgment of God, but it's revealing what's happening on the earth. The fifth seal is souls under the altar. This is back up in the throne room of God. They have not been given their heavenly bodies yet. They're crying out for justice. They're crying out, can you please stop the bloodshed? They didn't just die of natural causes or sickness. They were killed. And God says, just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. Until the rest who will die, like you, come up here. What is describing is tribulation saints. I'm going to go in more detail about that next Sunday. But very clear in Revelation that even though the church is gone, during the seven years, there will be people that will turn in saving faith to Jesus. Now, they will be killed for it. Accepting Jesus is going to be a death warrant. Even having a copy of the Word of God, which is the number one bookseller of all time. There's plenty of copies. And then you add the digital form and all the apps with the Bible and just being maybe caught with the word of God, you lose your head. So they're killed because of the word of God and their testimony. Like, I believe Jesus was the Messiah. And you put, place your trust in him, they place their trust in him, and they will be killed for it. A little glimpse into how violent and horrific time will be here on earth. Verse 12, verse 12. And I watched as he opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to earth as figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, uh, princess, the, the, the 
the general, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountain. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the day of their wrath has come and who can withstand it? This sixth scroll is that the whole world will be rocked. The whole world will be just completely shaken. The first four seals were man-made disasters. Now, this sixth seal is God is showing judgment. And he, and he talks about there's a massive worldwide earthquake. I mean, I grew up in California. I mean, we were like, oh, I just wrote an earthquake. Oh, that was a 6.5. Moved up here in 1991, and it made evening news a 3.3 earthquake. And they had live on the scene at the, you know, at the Walmart is, look, earthquake, shampoo bottles are on the floor. Did you survive the earthquake, of, you know, of 1992? And we're from California, like, are you serious? But we're talking an earthquake that is catastrophic over the entire world. So much that mountains and islands are removed. Now, the removed, two parts, not sure exactly what it means, maybe a combination of both, is physically moved or removed. Could you imagine? Okay, yeah, there's Mount Rainier. Oh, it's over here. Mount Rainier is over here now, and it's half the size. Going to Hawaii, nowhere to land. It, it was here. GPS says it's here. Maybe it's no longer there. I mean, it, it, an earthquake that we, our, our human brains can't even comprehend. Sun turns black. It's not an eclipse. I don't know if it's permanent or temporary. The sun loses power. What does that happen? What happens? Temperature drops. Maybe that's why they're in caves, trying to get closer to the core of the earth where it's a little warmer. People are freezing. Moon turn, turns blood red, sign from the heavens. This is from God. This is supernatural. Then the stars fall. That's like meteors, right? Could you imagine how many satellites are taken out with a massive meteor shower? I mean, we're so connected with satellites, with our phone, with our banking, with our communication, that's altered drastically. And they know, bring, talk about that in, in, in a couple weeks, they know this is from God. This is from God. Jump over to chapter 8 because the seventh scroll is written in chapter 8, verse 1. It says this, that when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stood before God and the seven trumpets were given to them. Those are coming, more, more judgments coming. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood on the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers, representing the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it 
on the earth. And there, be, there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Now, this seventh seal is silence, eerie silence at the beginning for about a half an hour. It doesn't get specific because human beings try to figure out the mathemat- mathematical you know, meaning of that in a revelation. About a half an hour. No worship in heaven. No one's talking, no one's moving. I'm sure earth feels that. Silence. Picture of the seventh day, seventh seal, seventh day of creation, God rested. But there's just a temporary pause. I mean, in a room this size, if I would just stop talking or I would lose my train of thought for 30 seconds, there'd be all sorts of you uncomfortable. If you're online, you're like, did I miss something wrong with my computer, my, my TV? About half an hour, complete silence. Because it's saying, more is still coming. Passing out trumpets to angels. Every time they blow a trumpet, it's more judgment. After the trumpets come seven bowls of judgment. The Escaping the Coming Apocalypse is the title of the series. And I hope every single one of you have a relationship with Jesus if you're watching in the room so that you escape what I'm talking about, what John wrote. But there's skeptics, maybe in here. You're like, man, I only come to church because my wife really wants me to, but I don't buy any of this. This is, this is stupid. This is insane. This is, you're whacked out. And anybody who believes this, I, I really question their mental capabilities. I, 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 can, I get that. Sounds kind of freaky. But with all humility and sincerity and truthfulness, you do not want to be here when God's had enough. Hebrews says this kind of sobering verse, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Salvation in one is payment. Jesus paid our sin on the cross. We're saved from the payment of our sin. Salvation is, is also that our eternal separation from God. We're saved from being eternally separated from God. It's called hell. You're not going to be partying there with your friends playing pool. Drinking some beer, watching a game. Separation from God means Separation from every attribute of God. That God is good. God is loving. God is merciful. God is light. God, you know, God is gracious. That is not a part of hell. Salvation is also the coming wrath of God. Don't ignore this. I want you to escape it and so does Jesus. That's why he warned us and warned us and hinted and hinted and even put in writing. John, write this down because he doesn't want you to go through it. And you will not miss this because you're a church attender or a good person. You only escape this by having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So I want to pray and give you a chance to escape this if you've never prayed and trusted in Christ. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're here today watching online, whenever you are watching or you're here physically, 
If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, this is what you do. Romans says this. You need to confess with your mouth that you're a sinner and that you trust in Jesus. So if that's your desire, say, God, I know I'm a sinner. You know I'm a sinner. My sin, God, separates me from you. But by faith, I trust in Jesus that he came to this earth to pay on the cross the payment of my sin with his body and with his blood. And by faith, I trust in Jesus and Jesus alone that he not only paid my sin, but he rose from the dead, proving he was indeed God. I say yes to Jesus right now. God, you know, if anybody prayed that, it wrote their name in the book of life so they can escape the coming apocalypse. Lord, help us as we continue to teach these sobering truths from your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're our guest here at Grace Point, um, we're so glad that you've chosen to, to watch online or to be with us. If you're here in person, I encourage you to go to guest services. Um, we have a gift for you um, by just being here. May God bless you. Have a wonderful week. I hope to see you back next week.